Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. All of October, we are leaning in for compelling conversations about leadership, whether you lead in your home, your business, your church, your family. We are all called to be leaders and we can lead well. We just need the tools and the skills and the insight and the wisdom. And today I am sitting down with Dr. Aletha Barnett for a conversation I just cannot wait for you to hear. Her book, Embracing Diversity of a Different Kind, is actually one of the best books I have read in a long time, and I read a lot of books. And before I even tell you more about her, I just want to celebrate, guys, this is episode 200. I feel like I need to throw confetti. I'm just so overwhelmed that you guys tune in and listen and What God has done with this podcast, people listening in over 130 countries and 200 episodes. Guys, thank you so very much. I also want to give a special thank you to the sponsor for this season, which is Evangel and AGTS, Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, where I am pursuing a master's of leadership and ministry. Speaking of leadership, because we can all continue to grow and and improve our leadership skills and be everything that God has called us to be. And I'm loving my classes with them. One of my courses right now is called A Pentecostal Church for a Diverse Culture. And it's not just talking about ethnicity. It's talking about diversity of all kinds. It has been such a powerful class, insightful class on missiology, church history, and how we can best minister to our culture and our generation. And so the intersect of what I've been doing in my master's classes, my graduate work, and now interviewing and reading this book by Dr. Olathe Barnett, Embracing Diversity of a Different Kind, it is just reinforcing what I've been learning and studying and applying and trying to use in practical life. Because all of us have found ourselves having heated arguments between keyboard warriors or unfriending family or friends who believe differently than us or wars on the international stage. Our world is full of conflict, sadly, but sometimes conflict can arise more subtly and provoked by differences in perspective or gender or even socioeconomic status. So how can we better navigate conflict and experience the unity that God is calling us to as believers? Well, that's what exactly what Dr. Aletha is taking on and talking about in her new book, Diversity of a Different Kind. Dr. Aletha Barnett provides a framework for conflict resolution from a different perspective. She believes God created diversity far beyond race and that he designed diversity, which can often lead to conflict, to grow us and to give us opportunities to practice biblical principles. Throughout that, we can find unity. Olathe Barnett is a theologian, a lawyer, and a conflict resolution specialist who's directed the conflict resolution ministry at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas for decades. She was commissioned by the Elder Board for Conflict Resolution Work, and she's also an adjunct professor at Southern Bible Institute in college and the founder of the Conciliation Services, LLC, which provides services to churches, other organizations, and individuals. 
She holds a Juris Doctor, a Master's of Art in Christian Education from Dallas Theological Seminary, but she talks to you like she has known you her entire life. You are going to love her and love this conversation. So let's lean in and learn how to do diversity in a way that honors God and loves people well. Here's Dr. Aletha Barnett helping us to know how to embrace diversity of a different kind. Well, welcome, Dr. Aletha. I am so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. We've been chatting before we even hit record, and I can already tell this is going to be such a powerful conversation. You know, I was sharing with you that my husband and I pastor a multi-ethnic, multicultural, we can kind of use this interchangeably, church right out here, out here outside of Washington, D.C., So I loved your book. I read so many passages out loud to my husband and we chewed on it and talked about it. So before we kind of dive into your book and so many of the rich insights that you offer, can you share a little bit about yourself and how you came to make this your life's passion? Yes, uh, I'll be happy to. But first of all, thank you for having me. I'm just elated to be with you and just uh, Grateful to God for the opportunity to share. So how did I come into this? It's an (laughs) interesting story. I'll shorten it because it's quite uh, quite a story. Uh, As you know, um, I'm a a lawyer. I call myself a recovering lawyer because Mm -hmm. I left the law to come uh, to a ministry. And how I specifically came into conflict resolution was I was invited to a mediation uh, by the assistant pastor of our church at that time. He was the assistant pastor who was over the conflict resolution uh, ministry. Hmm. And so it was on a Wednesday night. I really didn't want to go because I didn't want to miss church service because they had the mediations on Wednesday nights. And so, but at any rate, I went and to make a long story short, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to be here. I'm missing church Hmm. for this because there were two men in conflict and they were locking horns, uh, so to speak. Mm. And somewhere the atmosphere shifted in that room. Those men repented, one in tears. And I literally went from, I don't want to miss church to this is church. Oh, wow. That's when God grabbed my heart for conflict resolution. Uh, that was over 30 years ago. Haven't looked back. Mm. And, uh, the, that particular pastor, uh, I didn't know at the time, thought I would be someone good in, in that arena for conflict resolution. And so I've directed it uh, for almost 30 years. Not long mm-hmm. after that, I became the director uh, director of it. Well, they're blessed to have you because you can tell from reading your book and just listening to you for a minute, you are replete with wisdom. You know, Dr. Just- Letha, I have to be honest Growing up, I grew up as a pastor's daughter and yes. I, there was this old school idea. And even last week I was sharing a devotional with an organization in town and he specifically kind of wanted me to address some conflict. And uh, I'm not an expert in this as you are, but having been in the ministry for 30 years, you know, you're going to, you're going to encounter conflict. Oh, yes. But my point in that was I grew up almost hearing, oh, you're in a church, you're in a faith-based organization then you won't ever have conflict, which isn't really biblical. We see examples of conflict all throughout scripture. Why do you think that was even, because to hear you say, I was in a conflict resolution ministry, some people's ears might've already perked up like, what? I thought we're not supposed to have any conflicts. We're all Christians, right? Aren't we just getting, especially in the context of a church ministry. So maybe let's just start there with dispelling this myth 
that we will never have conflict if we're in a church or in a faith-based organization. Yes, yes. It's definitely a myth. In <laughs> fact, thank God for sanctification. Yes. And growth. Because at one time, that pastor that I just spoke of, I said the same thing to him. You would think of all places we wouldn't mm. have conflict in the church in my sanctimonious way over 30 something years ago. And he very wisely said, and I've seen it over and over again since then, we have the same conflicts as Christians. The key is that we handle it differently. Mm. We should handle it differently. Yes. Uh, Christians have family issues, work issues, issues in the church. Uh, conflict is unavoidable. Started in Genesis 3 with the yes. false of sin. So we'll have conflict, but we're called to handle it differently mm. than the way the world handles it. Let's say that two people are in conflict. One's a believer and one's a non-believer. We ought to be able to look at the way they handle that conflict to discern which one uh, is a believer. Mm. God has given us the tools. And so everyone has conflict. You cannot avoid it. It's inevitable. But, but how we handle it. Yes. How yes, we handle yes. it is so crucial. Yes. I think that's so helpful for us. And just right off the top here, your book is not just about race, racial reconciliation and embracing diversity across ethnic lines, which is crucial and important, but it's so much broader than that. It's so much of a, a larger conversation than that, which I appreciate And we're going to dive in to, to a lot of these nuances. But I wanted to say that because I think we hear conflict resolution or reconciliation, and especially in the context of the last few years, yeah. our minds might immediately just go to one aspect. And God wants us to know how to embrace diversity across multiple spheres. And I think that's so crucial that you're bringing a needed voice and a needed angle on this that maybe is incomplete in some other uh, settings that I've you know listened to and read. So I am so grateful. I'm going to share something you said. You said that we think differently from each other and you state this, when we allow for differences, we will more likely treat one another with the respect and dignity that everyone deserves. And you ground this principle in biblical truth. So you, you kind of start off and re-mention it a few times about Colossians 3. Yes. So why was this an important framework for you to help us understand the context of embracing diversity and differences? That was the specific scripture that God gave me uh, to go with the book. It is the theme of the mm. book uh, that we would bear with one another love one another and forgive mm. and that covers it. And out of the word bear, I get the theme, allow for the differences of others. God loves diversity. He didn't just make racial diversity. He made different personalities. He gave us different spiritual gifts mm. and talk about at least 12 different differences that's common to man mm. uh, that God has given us in the book. And that's part of the theme of the book that God is strategic Yes, he loves diversity, but he also had a specific design for it. Mm. It's because when we have those diverse encounters that we get to practice biblical principles. When someone's conflict clashes with ours, we bear with them. We love them. And the, and it's all summed up in love as we know the two greatest mm. commandments. There are only two different relationships you can have, two categories. That's with God and one another. And love God with everything within you. That's my interpretation of the first greatest <laughs> commandment. 
And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So if we get that love aspect right, uh, we're, we'll get it just fine because we mm. will show others uh, care, respect, and dignity. Mm, that's so crucial. That's a great passage. And I'm not surprised the Holy Spirit led you there. And you you really do weave that throughout and show us practical ways that we can flesh that out. You refer to the way that God set up a diverse universal system for us to grow as a, as a diversity theory. You kind of just touched on it there. Can we expand a little bit more on what you mean by that? And maybe even if you want to talk about the difference between the diversity rub and the diversity embrace and, and how we can be aware when that's happening. Yes. Well, I first woke up with the thought one morning, how I, the theme of the book came about and I woke with God made diversity more to make us holy than just because he loves diversity. And I'm going like, mm. where did it come from? And I couldn't shake it. So I went through a whole uh, stream of different things. Finally went to my pastor. Is this biblically sound because I can't shake it? He said, yes, you're grappling with it at a high level. So I knew I needed God to clarify it for me. And it ended in the book. And that diversity theory is God gave us diversity to give us naturally arising opportunities mm. to practice biblical principles to give us the byproduct of growth. And so when we, uh, from that theory, um, the naturally rising opportunities, and we know adversity builds character, yeah. some disturbance is the price of growth. And so if we clash, how do we apply biblical principles? You first embrace that as an assignment and embrace the person. Mm. And when you embrace, you're talking about applying it biblically. That's what we should do with diversity encounters is embrace them. Mm. The diversity rub is the sinful way. It's kind of like rubbing two sticks together and you get fire. Yes. You get that conflict fire when you don't embrace what God has naturally given each of us. We're wired differently. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm. We need all the different personalities. We need that S personality to encourage us. Even that C personality that's critical, mm. we need them to give us constructive criticism in love, not a critical <laughs> spirit. So we need everything uh, that God has given us. He knew exactly what he was doing and we're missing it mm. when we don't embrace the differences that he made. And that's why I say diversity of a different kind. It's all the differences, not just the racial one that people tend to focus on when we talk about diversity and inclusion. It's so important. You talk about throughout a given day, we could rub up against or embrace yes. diversity in you know demographics. And so my son is 22. We may have a completely different yes. way of looking at something or- yes gender or as you, as we've been saying race there's a lot of different That's right. or, and maybe we don't even understand that that hey they're coming from their own cognitive bias their own personal yes. experiences yes. we're bringing all of that into the table yes. denominational streams you know there's a myriad of of situations and like you said to embrace the other person to yes. celebrate differences to seek understanding yes. Uh, will help us tremendously. I want to need to read another a powerful statement that you wrote, and it's really a paradigm shift for us. You say conflict is not our problem. 
The problem is the condition of our hearts that needs purification to lead us to appropriately manage conflict encounters. So let's talk a bit more about diversity encounters as divine assignments. How can adversity and navigating conflicts give us an opportunity to practice these biblical principles? Maybe you could give us a, a practical example of how this might be fleshed out in our life. Yes. Well, the, we practice it by recognizing it as an assignment from God. Mm-hmm. And we've all heard that uh, conflict is an opportunity, and it is. Mm-hmm. However, it's an assignment. That mm-hmm. conflict didn't get to you, but that God allowed it to get to you. for a good. He's overseeing our growth. It's kind of like the in the Bible, the example of the um, refiner at the furnace. Yes. And keep making that fire hot, get, allowing those conflicts and various things to bring out the impurities to help us grow. Mm. And you ask for a practical example. Let me give a general rule before I can uh, think of a practical example. Sure. A rule, let's talk about forgiveness. Okay. You wouldn't know how to forgive if you didn't have something to forgive and a practical application. That's true. For, for that, specifically thinking of a situation uh, with a clash between two sisters where one was in sin and the other was, was not. And then the one who was not in sin lambasted her. Holy mm-hmm. Spirit pricked her, gave her a call, and then uh, realized that she had done it wrong. Mm. Ambassing rather than loving the person through it. So that's a practical application where you had that diversity encounter in reference to uh, the practice of life, life living. And uh, instead of the initial class and clash in the attack, she realized she did it wrong, mm. repented, called, asked for forgiveness, and then God restored the relationship. Mm. So the practical uh, application was that um, we can sometimes get it immediately right. And even when we get it wrong, mm. it helps us to grow and it teaches us to bear with others and to love them through their issues because we all from time to time don't mm. get it right. That's so true. What I'm hearing as you're saying that, and correct me if I'm wrong is, okay, so I have a conflict with someone, a conflict arises, My first stop then would be, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to show me about me and my heart? What are you trying to teach me? Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Another way to say that is, what did I do that may have contributed to this? Mm, Okay. Yeah, it's like, uh, get the log out of your eye, Matthew 5. And before we go to someone else, first get the log out of your own eye so that you are in a biblically pure uh, position to go uh, to the person that you have taken care of your own sin before correcting someone else. And I've experienced sometimes when I do that, Dr. Aletha, is that the Holy Spirit then doesn't even give me permission to go to that person. It's just worked out between me and the Lord. Yes. Because not every conflict, and again, maybe you can speak to this. I'm just coming from a pastoral standpoint in ministry not every conflict needs the two people to sit down. Sometimes when we do that initial phase that you're talking about, and it's between me and the Lord, yeah. God takes care of it. Not yeah. always, 
But how can we discern the difference between, okay, this was now settled between me and God. I don't need to go to that person. And when can we discern, no, this isn't resolved. I need to move for the purpose of seeking understanding, loving, bringing reconciliation and restoration. If that's our intent, then we can move forward in conflict resolution. Help us know how to discern, because I'm not even sure I always get this right. How can we discern the difference and know that we are moving forward in God's will when there's a conflict. Yes. Well, Matthew 18, 15 is the start. If there's a conflict between the two of you, you go in private. Yes. But he's saying, how do I know if it's time to go? Mm. If it's something that you have in your heart against the person and the person doesn't even know about it, resolve that with God. Okay. If the person knows there's a conflict, between the two of you, then you want to resolve it. And okay. then you go to Matthew 18, 15, because it specifically says go. Okay. Uh, first, get the log out of your own eye, then go. Uh, but go uh, if the person knows. Uh, one example to give is that uh, one lady went uh, to another lady and uh, said, you know, I had something against you, but once I learned you a little more, Uh, now I know Mm. you're a a nice person Mm. and the lady was offended because she didn't even know the woman had something. Sure. Sure. You can can sometimes open up a a can Can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I have been on the receiving end of that and it's not so great. You know, sometimes as pastors or leaders, someone will say, Oh, you know, when I first met you, I didn't like you. or when you did this." I've been in the receiving end too. (laughs) Uh, And you're thinking, well, you could have maybe kept that yourself, but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, there again, there's an opportunity of how yeah, we're going to react or respond in those yeah. situations. Yeah. Not everyone's going to operate with maturity That's right. That's all right. the time. And yeah. I'm sure that I have said and done things. Yes. So I do want to no, lean no, in no. a little bit to reconciliation because we're called to reconciliation. I mean, the, the, the Bible is start to finish. It's God yeah, reconciling man, man to himself yeah. and us yeah. to one another. So it's not an optional call. This Absolutely. is the call to reconciliation. Yes. So which I don't think is talked about enough in the church setting. That's just my own personal soapbox because it's so crucial to God's heart. Uh, Why are we doing this so poorly? And I know that's a very loaded question, but just from a personal standpoint, as a, as a ministry leader, how can we do this better? We're called to reconciliation. Obviously, then I guess I'm answering my own question to think whatever God calls us to, he empowers us to do. So if we're doing it poorly, are we not leaning in on the Holy Spirit's empowerment? Or what are you seeing of why the church, big C, body of Christ, is doing this not as well as we should be? Yes, that really is um, quite a question. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other, that's a book. I can give some little insight, but I don't think. I certainly have the wisdom to solve this age mm. problem yeah. uh, here. It's just uh, heartbreaking mm. uh, in the first place. And if the church doesn't get it right, society mm. won't get it right because we are, you know, God's representatives yes. on earth. I think what I see in the culture a lot is instead of the church allowing it to flow out to the culture, it looks like the culture has infiltrated the church. Mm. I see the church uh, arguing from a, a time to time uh, as relates, let's say, political parties. Sure. 
and uh, they're fighting over political parties and pushing political parties sometimes more than God. Mm. And so the church preaches well, the church teaches well, but that application, what's up with that? Sometimes it's the application. And if we are not doing church, um, something is missing. Mm. Something is wrong. And we need a revival. We have revivals throughout history from time to time. We're well beyond time for um, uh, Mm. renewal, revival, because you see a mean, hateful society uh, Mm. right now, critical of everything and everybody. Mm. And um, it's just sad. And I think the church needs to come together collectively, Mm. authentically, uh, across denominational lines. And um, lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. Not uh, necessarily our denominations. And I'm talking about the true, authentic uh, believers, separate apart from denomination, because you've got Christian denominations, as Mm -hmm. as specifically Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of. So I don't know if that hit that question quite right or not. It's it's a tough question. I think just the awareness and the acknowledgement that we need to do it better. And I we, think that yes, the church yes. has to be leading the conversation. And like you said, I was just reading a book in my graduate work and the, the book is called a Pentecostal church for, a. I mean, the cl- course is called a Pentecostal church for a diverse culture. Yes. And one of the things we talked about last night in his lecture was the church needs to be transforming and impacting culture, yes. not the other way around. Yes. yes. <laughs> somehow yes. we've, we've flipped that and it seems yes. like, and I'm not saying coercively transforming. We don't mean that, but we yes, mean right. where the church, big C, body of Christ is actively present, doing and being the church, as you were saying. Yes. There should be a transformation, not yes. only in the body that's there, but in the community. That should be seen right. in the, the way relationships are being handled and conflict is being managed. So yes. I think it's it's a conversation that we have to continue to have as the body of Christ, as Christ yes. followers. Yes. We are not exempt from, from this. If anything, not, we need to be right. leading it. We need to be leading yes. the conversation. Yes, that's exactly right. And and if we were doing it, the transformation would take place. Mm. Mm. So that tells no us other, we're not doing no, it. No other way to put it. <laughs> uh, I know. I mean, and it's hard yes. for us to hear, but we need to hear it because yes. then we need to think, okay, then this is broken. What do we do? Yeah. How do we fix it? How do we celebrate what is yes. working so well yes. and yet work on the yes. things that are not working well? Let me ask you one more question there, kind of a, a, the, the difference is before we move to wrap up. I, I've actually kind of discussed this with people and I would love your opinion about it. What would you say is the difference between unity? We're called to reconciliation. We're called to unity. We know God commands his blessing where there's unity. So he wants us to operate in unity. What is the difference between unity and uniformity? Because I think some people hear unity and they think, oh, you're telling us we have to be, we have to all be in uniform, you know, group think and everyone's thinking and acting. And that's, I don't believe that's what scripture means. So help us understand the difference between unity and uniformity and what God's calling us to there. Yes. God calls us to unity, which is oneness, Mm. oneness of purpose. As believers, we have oneness of purpose and we're talking peacemaking. We're talking the ministry of reconciliation, leading people to Christ, 
living peaceful, reconciled lives and helping others do the same. Mm. Uniformity is not what God created. Mm. Uniformity is making us all exactly the same. Uh, Looking at us, we're different races. Yes. Um, We uh, are wired differently. We may have a similar personality, but some people uh, uh, don't. And so when we get to heaven, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be black and you're going to be white (laughs) (laughs) from every nation and every tribe. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't want us to be the same. Yeah. And uh, he made us different Mm -hmm. uh, for a reason. And so, uh, but unity is what we want, not uniformity, not uh, making my personality yours or yours mine or Mm. my spiritual gifts yours or yours mine, but unity, oneness of purpose for God's glory. That's it. That is the central theme of scripture is to bring glory to God. That's it. We do that through unity. Mm. And, And diversity. We and we can do that within our diversity. That's Absolutely. right. That's the thing. Rather than feeling like, oh, we have to all be the same and think yeah. the same and yeah. act exactly the same. Even yeah. the spiritual gifts, like you mentioned, yeah. Paul lists a bunch of them and says yeah. they, we need all of them. Or yeah. the hand can't say to the eye, I don't That's need right. you. And so even within celebrating spiritual gifts, rather than I used to feel bad that I I wasn't stronger, let's say, in this particular area and and just leaning into this is the way the Lord has designed me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully yes. made. Psalm yes. 139 says. Yes. So if we celebrate that, then we're going to lead with the the spiritual gifts, the core strengths that yes. the Lord has given us for purpose. And like you said, the big purpose, capital yes. P, is yes. to bring glory to God. Yes. I and I think, you, go ahead. I love what you just said about spiritual gifts, because when you look in scripture, it says, the spiritual gifts are given for the unity, mm. unity and building up of the church. That's right. And it's designed so we need each other. No That's so person good. Yes. all of the spiritual gifts. Mm. So we have to depend on each other. And That's so good. I'm so glad you added that because you're right. That's the point. Yeah. He could have given Dr. Aletha, well, Paul said he had, I think Paul had all of them, but <laughs> Paul was an anomaly. We're not going right. to, we won't camp out there, but if he wanted one person to have everything, then he wouldn't have appointed some to be po- apostles That's and right. some to be teachers yes. and some to be yes. evangelists. Yes. So knowing God, what have you uniquely called me to do? What are my assignments yes. in my generation yes. with the way that you've wired me? Then we can celebrate yes. that the God is not that we just, I'm not, we're not advocating for, oh, you just don't ever work on a weakness or a sin issue. That's not what we mean. We mean celebrating the way God has uniquely designed you because like you just said, it it reminds us that we need each other. Yes. Yes. It's a picture of harmony, the way God, I'm a musician, my undergrad degree is in music. And so a violin can be beautiful. A trumpet Mm -hmm. part can be beautiful, but it's when you put them all together in a symphony, oh, and you really have something to where maybe by you know, and, and when I conduct an orchestra, for example, you maybe a violin plays for 16 measures and then they sit out or lay out, as you would yes. say in the music world, then they come back in at measure 62. So if you were just listening to them do a concert of that, yes. you would think, well, this is odd. Why yes. are, why do I have a minute and a half of silence? Absolutely. 
But in context yeah. of a symphony, yeah. that silence gives room for another voice to be prominent that serves yeah. the greater purpose of that song. So yeah. that analogy is coming to me as we've been chatting. Yeah, great today. analogy float for it. Uh, yeah, what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, the beauty of the beauty of that, and people yeah. love symphonies, and there's a reason they do, but they may not yeah. understand behind the scenes. Yes, you know, I'll say, "Who's playing there?" If I look at my orchestra, and they'll say, "No, I, I'm out. I'm out till measure 62." Yeah. So that's important. That's a that's kind of a framework for conversation. Sometimes we need to be quiet. Sometimes yes. it's time for our voice to be prominent. We need yes. each other. We need to let the other shine. All yeah. of that. So yeah. anyway, I could talk to you for hours because you're you're so wise and I'm so grateful that our paths have connected. But I want to kind of sum up a couple of things that you said in the book as we're kind of wrapping this up. And Dr. Alith is going to pray for us guys in just a moment. And you don't want to miss that. But basically what I felt like you were saying is that diversity encounters are a setup to grow up. Absolutely. Share that in the book. They are a setup. And remember, diversity encounter is different than a, and an embrace. When we have a diversity encounter of any kind, we can either have it be a rub yes. and there's conflict, or we can have it be an embrace. Yes. And it's the way that we choose to respond. And then you said, this is when we see others as valuable, made in God's image, even if they don't change their behavior, we can change our outlook and that can change the way that we handle the conversation. Yeah. So yes. Dr. Leith, I know so many people have been listening and thinking, well, how can I get this resource diversity, embracing diversity of a different kind? How can people connect with you and get a copy of your book? I'll give two ways. It's my uh, website, conciliationservices.com, conciliationservices.com. And uh, you can always get it on Amazon, diversity of a different kind. You can put the book title or simply my name, Olitha Barnett will bring it, uh, will bring the book up. Absolutely. And it's so good. It's so good, guys. It's not only um, rich in spiritual insight and depth, it's obvious that you are deeply grounded in the word of God, but it's also very practical. It's challenging. It does force us to look at some of the ways, ouch, like I don't, I'm not doing that well, or I need to realize first and foremost, this is about me and the Lord. And yeah. what, what am I needing to learn? And you've framed that so beautifully throughout this conversation. So guys, I will put those um, links in my show notes as well. But please, if you're a pastor, a leader of any kind, I want to encourage you get this book, Diversity of a Different Kind. We, we, we have to be able to have these conversations well. Mm -hmm. And so this is not an optional situation at this point. If we're going to be the voice of Christ and, and the voice of reconciliation in our culture, in our generation, wherever you are listening from, I know that resolving conflict in a healthy, godly, biblical way is crucial and critical for the sustainability of the church and for the body of Christ to have credibility we have to be able to do these things well. So I'm so grateful for you, Dr. Letha, and for your book and for your resource. But I want to ask you one last question before you pray. You're inspiring so many people to make their life matter and, and to not allow these issues to keep us from being used by God in our generation and seeing his glory revealed. But other than Jesus, who in the Bible has inspired you most to make life better? If you're seeing your voice, her face, it's like, oh, there's so many. There's so, and there are, but I just feel like this gives us a little bit of insight into you and what the Bible has meant to you. Uh, and there are, there are many, um, but the one that I will specifically mention is David. Mm. And uh, because um, we see his faults 
And I had one time said, God, how is this adulterous, murderous man, a man after your own heart? Yeah. And it's because um, David knew and would cry out to the Lord. Now, we may not have our sins to that magnitude, but sin is is sin. Um, But he knew how to cry out, wash me, cleanse me, Mm -hmm. uh, make me pure. And so I love David because David is an example that no matter what you've done out there, God loves you. And all you have to do is call out to him. There's confession, there's repentance, Mm. and God throws it into a sea of forgetfulness. And that's what I encourage people who feel as though there's no hope for them. Look at King David Mm. and uh, know uh, that God is a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He sent Christ to die for us. And there is nothing that any of us can do that uh, we can't touch God and he restores us. That's what it's all about. That's, that's why. Right. He, that's why he sent Christ. Mm, so that's what comes to mind immediately. Oh, to- absolutely. I can see it. And uh, his humility is what yeah. allowed God to continue yeah. to use him. It's yeah. not that we're not going to mess up. As we've said yeah. earlier, we're going to have yeah. conflicts. We're going to have issues. We're going to have times yeah. we don't do this right. Yeah. And when we don't, then yeah. we go to the Lord and we say, God, yeah. I, I don't He's think great. I I don't, yeah, he is great. And his grace is so great. He yeah. never runs out, never runs out of grace. So, yeah. and, and maybe you've listened today and you're thinking, wow, I'm listening and I'm realizing I just haven't handled things well. Maybe you've harbored some form of racism or, uh, you know, a lack of, of embracing a different generation, perhaps even maybe yeah. you're looking at someone who's 22, like my son and, and you're struggling to, to listen to their voice or their style of music. I mean, there's so many ways that we get in conflict within the body of Christ, or maybe you have a brother or sister in the Lord who just feels so differently about something biblically. Uh, Let's let, let's just continue to move forward in these conversations. No condemnation today. If the Lord is convicting us in an area, then he's doing that for our good and for his glory. And let's receive that. And move forward and know that God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for all situations. So thank you, Dr. Aletha. Thank you for your voice in our generation. And we just pray continued favor over you. And I would love to invite you to pray for us and our listeners as we close today. I'll be happy to. And thank you for having me today. Father, you're a good and gracious God. We give you praise, glory, and honor because you are worthy. Lord, we pray for the listeners that we've said something today. Uh, that will have touched their lives, that they will be able to apply it. Uh, Lord, uh, we see all the conflict in the world. So we pray uh, for the listeners uh, to be people of peace. Your word says you will know my disciples by the love they have one for another. So Lord, help us to love, help us to remember the theme of peace, uh, that uh, Christ is an ambassador of peace and we are his Uh, He's the peacemaker and we are his ambassadors. So Lord, help us uh, to live in peace and to help others uh, do the same. To you be the glory. Bless the listeners and work out your divine plan for each of their lives. In Jesus name we pray. 
Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.